I'm sorry? What was that again? I'm a god. You're a god. I'm a god. I'm not the god. I don't think. Because you survived a car wreck? You folks ready to order? I didn't just survive a wreck. I wasn't just blown up yesterday. I have been stabbed, shot, poisoned, frozen, hung, electrocuted, and burned. Oh, really? And every morning I wake up without a scratch on me, not a dent in the fender, I am an immortal. And welcome back to the Foodie Dashi podcast. I am Nicholas, and I am here with the delightful Lauren. Lauren, say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. Welcome. I didn't realize I was delightful this afternoon, but that is a wonderful surprise. I've been slowly waking up, so to be delightful upon this waking hour has been great since the time zone differences. It's still yeah. morning for me. Well, I like to have a different descriptor for you each time because I, I don't know, because otherwise, otherwise the introduction can feel like a bit, and I'm just like saying it by rote. Intros but- are a bit. You know? Anyway, yeah, I don't know, yes. but I don't so like that aspect. I will of it. get out of your intro and <laughs> get, back to get, you. Get the fuck out of my intro, Lauren. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So today we are going to be returning to a, I don't know if it's a favorite subject of ours, but it is definitely one that we keep returning to, which is funny because it's about loops. Uh, the, the, the concept of the core gameplay loop, or as I unnecessarily redefined it, the core gameplay helix. But we're going to set that sort of helix thing off to one side because we recorded an entire episode about it. So if you want to know more about that, you're going to have to go listen to it and hopefully give us money and praise and plaudits as a result. Um, <laughs> but so in, in and also following off of our previous free episode, we want to be a little bit more focused in things. So we're going to be talking about the core gameplay loop with specific reference to the game Loop Hero. And yeah, the reason why is because in many ways, the game Loop Hero itself plays with the concept in really interesting ways that can help us learn more about sort of the subtleties of what we mean by the core gameplay loop and also the ways in which it sort of conditions players to behave in particular ways because there's sort of a psychological component to it as well so lauren do do you want to define the core gameplay loop or should i do it so i think the first step that we all need to take when we think about gameplay is that we already define gameplay inherently by its loop structure and we call it a loop because it's something that it is a repeated action And I want to emphasize that because you wouldn't say taking out the trash is a loop, right, of gameplay, but it actually is because it's a repeated action that you take in your daily lives. Once the trash is full, close the trash bag, pull it away from the trash can and take it out, right? (laughs) And then go replace trash bag and trash bag becomes full. And Lauren literally just designed a game there. (laughs) I just designed a game, right? And and that's why we're laughing right now, because I think that um, 
you know, a lot of people uh, criticize me sometimes for really dumbing things down or for making things oversimplified. I've gotten that as a critique a lot. That's bad. But at yes. the, at totally the end is. of the day, thank you. Um, at the end of the day, you have to oversimplify gameplay loops, especially as a system designer, when it's your job to create the system that executes thousands of these loops, but, yeah. you know, starts with one. And that could be taking out the trash. And we're going <laughs> to taking out the trash. That is my game. And honestly, that is game dev. You know, thank you for coming to my TED talk. Um, and I want to start there because the gameplay loop is something that we get focused on, right? And you can get so focused on the most efficient way to take out the trash or the most efficient way to fill up the trash, right? And that is why it's like considered a whole gameplay loop because you can get so focused in that that you forget what the game is about. Yeah. Right. And that's the problem of designing right a game. So yeah. with Loop Hero, um, I think that this is gonna and Nicholas is gonna go into what Loop Hero is and um right, how that kind of emphasizes like gameplay loops. But with Loop Hero for me, seeing that the gameplay loop is structured around something that is kind of different than typical, um, is really interesting. So to to actually define the gameplay loop in of itself. Um, a gameplay loop is a repeated action or a series of repeated actions that players take um, over time that progress the game forward. Yeah. And so typically there there is a, there's sort of a, I don't know, there's like a stereotype structure to the gameplay loop, which is the like the anticipating what is going to happen, doing a thing. And then there is some response or reward to the doing of the thing, which then leads into the next cycle of anticipating what is going to happen, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, and I would consider repeating. that a very reactive gameplay loop, right? Yeah, it but is. But then and with Loop Hero, it's not actually that reactive. I mean, it is. No. But well, it is and yeah. it isn't. Okay, because the, th because the thing is the sort of and, the... And don't forget to talk about the intro to Loop Hero. Like, what is Loop Hero? <laughs> it is a game. Yeah. <laughs> So, okay. So Loop Hero, no, okay, I'll I'll talk about the issue in context of Loop Hero. So the thing is, typically with games, there is an overemphasis on the action part, on the on the combat. But the thing is, in Loop Hero, you don't actually do the combat. It's an auto battler. Like the combat is done by an algorithm for you. Oftentimes frustratingly because your your little dude will hit the enemies that you don't want him to be hitting, but you have to actually think about that. And so the thing is, Loop Hero actually emphasizes the preparation aspect. It emphasizes the anticipation. And so um, it's broken down into sort of a, into a series of loops. Literally, the game itself has multiple loops. And there is a sort of an initial game map. You choose which loop you want to enter, which is literally structured as like a road. And it is literally a circular road. Now, it's not a perfect circle. It like has twists and turns and bends and so forth. But it loops back around on itself. And your little guy, he walks along the path of this road and encounters things as he goes along. And it's a, and it's a cycle. But the actual like gameplay aspect of it isn't about the combat it's about essentially what conditions you create for your dude as he like as the game progresses so initially there isn't much on the loop there might be just like slimes randomly wandering around or or a goblin a single goblin encampment that periodically spawns um, enemies and then each time you go around the loop you have to fight those enemies that are spawned again and again and again but the thing is as you play and as your little dude fights the enemies the game generates cards that you can play. And these cards are various things. They can either be like 
something akin to say lands in Magic the Gathering, where like you can you can place them around the game space and they generate resources for you. So there's you know mountains, there's rocks, there's meadows, I believe, there's treasuries. And so the thing is those you place outside of the loop. But then there are also things that you place along the loop. So like vampire mansions or cemeteries or spider nests, I think is one of them. And those you put right next to the path. And where you place it at that point on the path, it will periodically generate enemies that your little dude will have to fight. And so that is the thing that you manipulate. You manipulate the the total play space in which the loop plays out. And so that's what's interesting is because typically in a game, you, the player, are sort of immersed in the loop, in the gameplay loop. And you, cool. you cause it to happen in a sense. Whereas so in this, in, yeah, so good. No, and so in this instance, what's great is that Nicholas right there is talking about where then I come in and go, wait a second now. Usually the emphasis on games is on the actions the player take. Yes. And we talk a lot about the player and the avatar, right? You're inhabiting yeah. this character. But Loop Hero is considered a strategy game because yeah. you're manipulating the environment, right? You're not yeah. controlling the hero directly. Right, you craft environments, you get to figure out what weapons and abilities they have, and it's all about that preparation step. And there is that level of distance from them. But Nicholas is already kind of hitting on what my argument for this is, because then are you saying that the player isn't in the gameplay loop because they're not the character taking that action? Well, here's and okay, it, it becomes complicated because the thing is there there is a genre so the, there is Okay, I'm going to call this the avatar question, thesis. The problem of an avatar in a game is that, yeah, we tend to think of one's avatar as this like one-to-one correspondence. Like you're presented with the, the image, literally, of a character, and that character does things, and then you, as player, are either supposed to identify with that or like think of your actions as flowing through them. But there is a very common type of games, so-called god games, in which your avatar is essentially, I guess you could say, you're identifying more with almost like the programmer than you're identifying with like the figural representation that is given to you. But there's still an avatar there because there's still a sort of like point through which your actions influence the game. It's just that's not represented as like a specific individual thing. Right. And I think what's really interesting, and we see this even in AAA development right now, is that we don't consider it the avatar problem because, let's be real, not a lot of game designers in AAA are academics in their free time. <laughs> yeah, I invented and a problem. <laughs> no, you, you actually did not. This has been a huge problem. And when game design was finally getting into the academy in the 80s and 90s, I mean, the avatar problem, if you just look up the avatar problem, everybody go Google right now the <laughs> avatar problem as you're listening to this, unless you're driving. Um, in which case, yeah, thank you for taking us on your commute. Do not yeah. look at your phone while driving. Yes, Drive please. safe. And when you look at the avatar problem, it absolutely is who are you and where does the avatar begin? And that's the, that was the start of this concept of the avatar problem. But you're hitting on something that is crucial in God games. And I promised myself I wouldn't bring up another example to this so we could focus on Loop Hero. Um, no, I mean, but, bring it up, bring it up, do it. But really quickly, the obvious God game example, and I know some of you are already waiting for it, is black and white. Yeah. Black and white and black and white too, some of my favorite games. And your avatar is this hand, the hand of God, that yeah. 
turns like red or you know white for if you're like a good god or a bad god and it all takes place right with the greek and kind of roman like mythology um and not vaguely, just yeah vaguely yeah like it's not actually you being zeus versus athena but it's like vaguely inspired by those right older kind of kingdoms and i'm a huge history buff um and empires and stuff and then eventually right you take over everybody else's and there's other gods you have to defeat now that's their high level right for you the avatar being like the hand but it has the same gameplay loops right as loop hero in terms of that i just kind of control what structures need to be built or how i want to treat my people but in this it's distilled down to treating one person And the question of the avatar now problem becomes, right, how much of control of an actor do you need to feel as if you are personally affected or you have a personal journey? And that's the question that AAA is dealing with now, especially like in games like Fortnite, where the old, right, RPG model is you create the character and like the skins are based with gear and all of these things. And you kind of see this trend right from Avengers to where gear is just like these augments to Guardians of the Galaxy, which is now just like the RPG is more about the abilities or like the teamwork, right? So it's you controlling your team versus you just, even though you technically just control Star-Lord to, I say, the Fortnite problem where it is just you and you're in a banana suit, yeah, right? Or you're Ariana Grande, which is, yeah, let's be real great. But it's now (laughs) like your avatar is just like, an extension of you right there's this whole kind of new genre and this whole shift so well, yeah so the part of the issue yeah sorry go ahead. We'll, we'll bring it back specifically to loop hero but i did want to kind of show that that's the issues that we're struggling with when you bring up the avatar problem so the thing is but if you look at if you look at strategy games in general which you're right loop hero sort of fits into there it's almost like the avatar is a non-issue because they're built around the presumption that you are, you know, building a world, manipulating a world, influencing a world in that, you know, God game sense. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a, you know, a God game specifically. It could even just be like a regular real-time strategy game, like say, I don't know, Starcraft, where, I mean, you are sort of like hypothesized as a commander but it's an extremely generic designation because ultimately you're doing the same kind of thing you are manipulating a total play space you're managing resources within that play space and that's the exact same freaking thing that you're doing in loop hero you are managing but what's interesting about loop hero as opposed to starcraft i mean starcraft is a great game don't get me wrong amazing game um, but what's fundamentally different is that Loop Hero specifically points to that way in which like games typically try to figure you as an individual character, as a hero, literally, moving through a world and having like an experience. And that experience is then supposed to be mapped onto your own experience. And so even though it's called Loop Hero, that experience is actually taken away from you. And they use the conventions of a different type of genre in order to highlight that fact. To me, that is what's brilliant about the game. It's also a very fun game and it has interesting, you know, mechanics based on like, you know, card systems that are typically used in games like, you know, uh, what's what's the game of like, uh, like, uh, what's the Spire game called? Attacks? No. I don't remember the spire. Slay the spire. Slay the spire. Thank you. Slay the spire. Yeah, I was here for you. I was like, I think I know what you're saying, but I want. <laughs> I wanted to be a hundred percent sure before I say something. You're like Lauren. No, there's that other game. And I no, like, oh, Slay the Spire. Yeah, Slay the Spire. No, and I let's dig into that a little because I think that what you're saying 
for me as a designer is that they didn't have you this is not an action adventure game no let's just let's just say that right now because an action adventure game is defined by you the actor having an adventure okay yep. an actor having an adventure game right i know mm-hmm. that sounds really silly um but wordplay is very important here <laughs> this however right is more of a strategy game but it's also a preparation game you're preparing a hero for yep. their journey but that means you are directly in control of how that journey goes. Yeah. Right. And I want to dig into what you were talking about with the specific mechanics, like they take from Slay the Spire and how they map those onto it. Yeah. Because I want to dig into the core gameplay loops of Loop Hero and kind of see how they operate those problems. Yeah. So the thing is that even though there is sort of the commentary, I think, or at least there's there's a the game is reacting to the stereotypical way in which like the core gameplay loop emphasizes action, there still is a core gameplay loop for you as the player, which is you, I mean, because you manipulate the the preparation or anticipation phase, you know, you set things down in the in the play space. And then your, your hero arrives at that particular point on the loop, and then they have an auto battle. But then from the auto battle, the auto battle generates more of the resource in the form of those cards that you as the god character, so to speak, then place on the map as further. So the thing is, like, the core gameplay loop is still there. It's just that your action, strangely, is synonymous with the anticipation slash preparation phase for the little hero dude who is moving around the map. Yeah, and when this... It was interesting to me when this game came out, there were a lot of reviews about how people were mapping their own experiences and control that they had of things over in their life. They were actually mapping to this game. Like they were able to create their own internal story, so to speak, because of the actions they were able to take. Did you have any? Yeah. So it's worth noting that this game came out in March of last year. So like height of pandemic terror madness like people feeling kind of out of control i mean because we had previously talked about sort of the way in which a lot of people reacted to the pandemic through games like um, animal crossing animal crossing is a similar kind of game in which it's like the the pleasure of it or i guess you could say the the fulfillment that one gets from playing it is in ordering space creating a like a self-contained thing that you control and that is what this game is about as well Although what for me sort of like heightens that effect is that like all of the elements in Loop Hero are kind of plaguey in nature. Like, you know, like every time you you put down a vampire mansion, what does the vampire mansion do? Like if you put down a... So, okay, here's a good example. If you put down a vampire mansion right next to a village, the vampire will like predate on the villagers and transform that village and turn them into ghouls. And so there are a lot of aspects of the game in which, like, you are forced to put things into the world that will hurt you and will also hurt the, like, I guess you could say area or play space that you are supposed to manage and you're supposed to take care of. So it's a weird thing where at the same, you are, as the God character, you both have to, like, introduce the negative elements and mitigate them at the same well, that's, time. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be a god character. Like, I know I brought up black and white, but I think that's just because it was the one example where they contextualized who you were and you also manipulated. In this, you're not really contextualized, right? You're no, just, you're 
you're you're you're just there. You're just giving the point it. Yeah. Of, yeah, yeah. The point of your loop is to to place the tiles, and I think it's important that we really break it down in in simple terms, because I think that that we've we've said I don't want to be like we've said it vaguely, but like let's be very clear, right and yeah. direct. Loop Hero is a game where you place tiles, right, map tiles, right, onto the world where your hero, right, or this character, you don't have to call them a hero, but the game does, right, yeah. stands on those tiles, right, like walks on them. It's not just like, it's like a map, it's not just a map building game, right? Yeah. And then through that, the gameplay tiles themselves give you benefits or harm, like you're saying. Yeah. But in reactions which way, of some kind, yeah. Reactions of some kind, right? So your action placing the environment, right? You yeah. have direct control over that. And I'll, I'll get to where maybe you don't always have direct control over it based on your past decisions, right? Yeah. Um, the hero then, right, reacts, fights, heals, doesn't heal, like different things in the environment change. Yeah. So in that, in that right, gameplay state, right, that we have, the placing, right, and then the reaction, right? You can see that the game mechanic still has the action and reaction. Only instead of the yeah. action being swing your sword, the action is placing your tile. Yeah. Right? And I think that really affects the player from, like, the mental standpoint to map on, like, their own experience. Yeah. Because this game coming out in the height of the pandemic, we have to remember, wasn't invented in the height of the pandemic. Yeah. Right? And I think that's very important because especially even like myself, right? When you talk about games, you tend to talk about like, oh man, the circumstances in which it was released. But you kind of have to realize that games aren't developed and then just immediately obviously pumped out, right? Yeah. Pyro was developed prior to the pandemic and invented, right? Oh, what if we did this game? But then it takes on this new meaning, right? Once it finally gets out the door. Yeah, so... um Loop Hero was originally, so they started working on it in 2019. So yeah, well before the pandemic was, you know, a big thing. And it was originally um, sort of the the core concept underlying the game was part of a game jam. Um, and But the thing is like, yes, like the intention was probably more mechanically focused and like combining mechanics in interesting ways. But at the same time, and so this is an argument I often get into with my students is that regardless of what a creator intends in their creation, it's going to have effects because the thing is like a, a like even a literary text, a literary text is a social object. It goes into the world. It goes amongst people who have preconceptions of the way particular things are. And I mean, you can see a lot of this now playing out with like, you know, the constant crap surrounding like say Joanne Rowling where she seems to be completely oblivious to the way in which like people are going to understand <laughs> the things that she puts out into the world. And so like, she is very much on the, like, no, it's a hundred percent author intent and only says what I mean side of the equation. And there are a lot of people who argue that, but I like to think that Lauren and I are more kind of in between full intent and full, like, if not, when I was reception. creating my uh, thesis, I actually had to create an a biased statement because I am very much a reader response theorist, which means yeah. that author be damned. No offense, I say to all my writer friends as an author myself. As, as, yeah, I was about um, to say, damning yourself. I am also damning myself. Um, but author be damned. I. It is truly what the reader intends. 
right? And this is actually a very cultural thing as well. As I was studying in East Asian literature and the nation or the nation, the notions of reading. Um, And I am very, please correct me here because this is like more than 10 years old knowledge, the past time that I was studying this, right? When I was in college or whatever. Yeah. um, Was that their emphasis is on trying to understand what the author was. um, This was particularly in a Chinese literature class that I was taking with, and this was like way back when. And the author's intention isn't meant to be understood by the reader. It is up to the reader to begin to figure out to understand what the author means. Now, that isn't to say that that's not taught in Western literature, and that's not to say it's entirely true, because this was once again, right, taught by a professor with their own biases, right, and was like, this is my blanket statement. This was also taught in the Midwest, and so I'm going to put all that out there because I'm like, I don't know. I just took this course to pass it, okay, to get my degree so that I could get out of the Midwest. And I think that for me, that stuck with me because in my English literature courses, they were like the author's intent, right, is either has that split. It's either it is always what the author intended or the reader's like, I don't really care. This is what I got out of it. And I'm really in that context because I believe the responsibility is on the author to write something that regardless of your intention, right, your your reader reacts to in a way that matches the writing that you created. Like it is up to your craft that if you said something in that work and that if I love reader response theory because it also leads directly into player first game design. Yeah. Right. What is the player's journey? What is the player's design? And talking about Loop Hero is great because honestly, we usually think about player first design in a game like Journey. Where you're, yeah. you're the avatar and it's all player-driven narrative, right? It's yeah. all player-driven. It's all gameplay-driven, right? Yeah. And whatever the player gets from their journey, um, quote, unquote, is is completely up to them. But with yeah. a game like Loop Hero, you don't usually see this type of mentality in, in a strategy game. Like you're not playing Civ and going, what is your experience or journey? Or rather, let me rephrase this, you weren't. Now I feel like we're finally talking about when you play a game like Save or you're playing Loop Hero, Loop Hero really puts it out in front of you, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so I think it's because strategy games and what I'm going to broadly call adventure games, and what I'm broadly calling adventure games are any games in which you as the player are generally expected to identify with however you are acting within the game. Sometimes it can be a character, it could be an AI, it could be a computer system, but the idea is that the game provides you some like unified thing that you are supposed to identify with as the player. The thing is, strategy games typically don't do that. They might present a vague notion of sort of some kind of like overlord, but whether or not you identify with that overlord is actually kind of irrelevant. And what the what a strategy game is generally doing is it's handing you like an array of goodies an array of tools and it's saying okay here is a space here is a set of tools do something with these tools in this space and there are going to be like you know optimized ways of using them there there are going to be certain synergies you know certain like ways in which the tools might react with particular aspects of the environment but the basic concept is similar to or I guess not con- concept. It's a similar ethos to an open world game where the idea is that you're supposed to sort of like 
there's a focus on emergent gameplay rather than on like telling you a particular story. So then that puts the onus back on you as the player. If you want a story to develop and create that story for yourself, the game is not handing you sort of like a preformed narrative that you then have to sort of like fit yourself into that I think is the fundamental difference. It is a very big fundamental difference. And I'm glad you brought that up because our readers or our listeners are probably wondering, but Lauren, why are you and Nicholas talking about story when you promise that you talk about game loops? And this is the inherent problem that we're struggling with as academics and as designers of these experiences because your game loop does not exist isolated from your systems or your players or the social construct that you yourself are creating within that game. And Loop Hero doesn't need an overlord, right? It doesn't need that, you know, magical person that's controlling it. Because in StarCraft, you're technically like the general or, yeah, you're, or whatever. You're the, you're the commander of whatever I mean, faction you're the you're, you're the playing. commander of yeah. whatever faction you're playing. And you yeah. know that. But in Loop Hero, they know that you're the this caretaker or you're this benevolent world, right? Or you are absolutely evil, right? You decide to make the hero die as quickly as possible. Like that's a story that you want to tell. Yeah. But that's what it is. It's a story that you want to tell through those game loops, right? It's an experience, if you will, that you want to have and it is open and it is emergent. And so Loop Hero, in my opinion, is one of the most fantastic ways we see emergent narrative playing out in an adventure genre. Yeah. Right. Because by taking away your control of the person having that adventure, you now are actually creating even more control to tell like more exciting stories from that. Yeah. And so actually, this this is so this is a point that Lauren has made in the past, but I want to reemphasize it because I said at the beginning of this episode that I was going to set aside the whole like core gameplay Helix concept. But actually, it's going to help us here because the reason why I redefined the core gameplay loop as this like helical structure is because the like thinking about things as just like a set of loops doesn't really help explain to you like the progression systems in games. And the progression system in all games is fundamental to how the narratives work. So the thing is, you can have a kind of narrative that is based solely in the mechanics of a progression system. And so when we're talking about a game like Loop Hero, which doesn't necessarily provide you a story as your narrative, rather your narrative is the thing that emerges from gameplay, that works precisely because these so-called loops actually have this compounding relationship to each other, and that compounding relationship is a narrative. In the same way that when you're playing a strategy game, or when you're playing a grand strategy game, or, or like even when, okay, actually, I'm going to be a little bit more abstract. When people talk about builds in roguelikes, that is a narrative. The build is a narrative precisely because in order for your particular build to work, you need to acquire certain things. You need to understand particular synergies. Oftentimes you need to do them in a particular order, but they compound upon each other. They build over time and you have a beginning, a middle and an end. That is a narrative. Yeah, and with that, I wanted to thank everybody for listening to our episode on gameplay loops that now became an episode on emergent narrative. But <laughs> that is my personal uh, modus operandi, if you will, and raison d'etre for my life uh, is to change the way we tell stories. So thank you all for listening to our gameplay loops discussion on Loop Hero. And we'll see you next time on For a Dashipod.